Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry has brought in another guest and that is Jason Stuck. Jason is a managing director and head of portfolio management at Northern Capital. He oversees the management and implementation of client strategies. He advises investment advisors, money managers, and other wealth management organizations on portfolio construction, portfolio rebalancing, security selection, and risk management strategies. Jason advises clients on both taxable and tax-exempt strategies, including the corporate, government, mortgage-backed, and municipal market sectors. Jason received his bachelor's degree in business and economics from Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, and an MBA in finance from Northwestern University's Kellogg Graduate School of Management in Evanston, Illinois. He became a chartered financial analyst charter holder in 2003. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, doing great. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here, Jason. I'm, I'm here to learn. Larry, thank you for bringing him on the show. That leads me to my, my next question. Why is he joining us today? Yeah, so you know, this week, uh, the Fed Reserve lowered interest rates. So I thought it'd be a great time to get an expert in on municipal bonds and talk a little bit about you know, what they are, how they work, um, what's going on in the world. So uh, Jason is glad is offered to join us. So thank you, Jason, for being with us. And uh, we can get started. Sounds good. Well, thank you for having me, Larry. So I thought we would actually start at the beginning because, you know, bonds are definitely misunderstood by people. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten calls. My friend's getting 5% on uh, tax-free on their bonds. How come we can't do that? So I thought, let's start with the basics. You know, what, what, it, you know, what is a bond? What's maturity? What's price? You know, coupon. Can you give us a little background on kind of the basics of bonds, Jason? Yeah, Larry, I think that's a great place to start. Um, when it comes to bonds, there are there is a lot of confusion in the marketplace. Um, I started my career as an equity analyst, and you can imagine when we're looking at stocks, you're building models over the course of a few days with multiple assumptions. What I like about bonds is they're actually math instruments. Uh, you have a couple knowns that you can work with, starting with coupons and maturities. Uh, these are contracts that the issuer has has uh, given you as an investor. And so starting with coupon, I run into the same thing that you just mentioned. You know, the client calls and says, I'm getting 5%, I should be getting 5% yield when they're actually talking about a coupon. Um, The coupon is just a a guarantee that they have every six months that they're going to pay the investor. And when I say they, I mean the state or municipality, um, some type of of corporation. And so if they say they're going to pay a 5% coupon, just get semi-annual payments uh, two times a year uh, from the issuer. When it comes to maturity, that's you can think of that as like the expiration of the bond. The bond is fully paid off, the, all the principles return to the investor, and we go out and find new bonds. What gets really confusing is the price change. Uh, as interest rates change, the price of the bonds can go up and down. And so when interest rates drop like they have recently, it causes the prices on current holdings or current bonds that we own to go up and vice versa. The fear is if interest rates go up, that prices will actually go down. 
Let's just stop you there for a second so get really basic here. Let, let's kind of back up. So, so if, uh, if a municipality is issuing a new bond at par, so let's say it's a 10-year 10 10 year bond and the coupon is at 5%, therefore, if, since it's par, they actually are getting 5% interest and the 10-year return would be 5%, correct? That's correct. Yep. Right. But what's going on in the world right now, like you just said, because interest rates are lower, prices are much higher. So the same bond now that you would be buying in the secondary market in order to get 5%, you would have to buy this above par or at a premium, correct? That's exactly right. And, and with 5% coupons, some of those prices could be pretty amazing. And when I say amazing, I, $120, $130 price. So just so everybody kind of knows in the audience what, it, what Jason is talking about, that means if you are buying a $100,000 bond, you have, actually have to give $130,000, and then 10 years from now, you will get back 100000 So you're going to lose $30,000 over that 10 years, but you're making 5% interest. So when you combine the 5% interest with the loss of the $30,000, what do you end up getting, Jason? Well, it's funny. It, you said that exactly right. Everybody thinks that they're losing something, that the premium, somehow they're going to pay $130,000 and it vanishes because they paid $130,000 when they purchased the bond, but then they receive $100,000 when the bond matures. And so to the point that you were making there, if you're receiving 5% coupons, in an interest rate world where interest rates are at 2% or less, all you're doing is you're paying a higher price to receive that higher coupon. You're, you're receiving more cash flow today than a 2% coupon bond or something less. Right. So then your total return, which on a par purchase would be 5%, would be what now on a 10-year basis? Lower, correct? Correct. So... So there's, you know, there's definitely a correlation that clients and potential investors should understand between price, between coupon, between maturity date, in order to get the uh, total return. And we could throw something else in here, the mix here, here and that's, uh, you know, call callability. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. So callability is one of those things that also tends to uh, confuse people a little bit. When a bond has a call feature, what the issuer has done is given themselves the option to take the bond away um, at any given time, and usually that's specified within the bond. So, for instance, you may have a 15-year maturity bond, meaning the bond matures in 15 years, but they have the option to take it away from the investor in 10 years at a specific price that's already agreed upon at issuance. And so what I mean by that is, you know, 10 years from today, the issuer may decide that that bond is now trading at a premium. If we use the same example we used before, a 5% coupon and yields are now 2%, that bond is going to have a big premium or a big price. And so the issuer may say, I'm going to go ahead and refund that 5% coupon and issue new bonds at a much lower rate. So they're going to go ahead and take that bond away from the investor. Typically, they take bonds away at par, which is a $100, um, $100 price. 
And so when that happens, the investor gets their money back. And in environments like we're in currently, the difficulty is it's called reinvestment risk. You have to go back into the market and go buy a new bond when bond yields are less favorable. So, you know, so people should be aware of this. They could be buying these bonds saying it's a great deal and I'm not looking if they could be called away. And all of a sudden now bonds are called away, especially in today's environment, like you just said, where it's interest rates are lower. Now they got to reinvest all that cash at, at lower rates, correct? Absolutely. And then it's painful because typically they'll go to the advisor and say, why don't you go buy me more of those 5% coupons at par or 5% yields? that we bought five years ago or whatever the time frame is. And unfortunately, it's just not available in the marketplace right now. Yeah. So let's talk about the marketplace and premium bonds. So, you know, the last 30 years, interest rates have dropped. So, and that's been good for the bond market. Can you explain why is that good for the bond market that interest rates have, have dropped? Absolutely. So if we use the same example we used before, you bought a 5% coupon, let's call it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you paid par or 100 for that bond. As you mentioned, Larry, the rates have come down. And as rates dropped, you think of it this way, you have a 5% coupon in your portfolio, but the new world that we live in offers a 4% or a 3% coupon. And so that's great for people that already own bonds because my price on my current bond that I own is going to go up. The problem becomes like we have today where you have to go out into the market and invest new money. And so you know, a lot of investors have probably heard, you know, interest rates have dropped for 30 years. Um, I like to say, you know, it's kind of like logic class in college. Just because interest rates dropped for 30 years doesn't mean they have to go back up or that they have to go back to the norms, whatever norm means. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just on the, on the side right now, as we're speaking, um, there are actually countries like Germany that have negative interest rates, which is, uh, which is hard, to, hard to imagine. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's even crazier when you hear people on CNBC or just in the markets talking about how the U.S. could go to zero or potentially even negative rates. Right. So, so let's talk about these premium bonds and, you know, why investors, you know, could be scared of these premium bonds. I think it has a lot to do with what you mentioned earlier, too. You know, a lot of people will say, why in the world would I buy a bond with a $130 price that matures at 100 And, you know, the reasons are you buy those because you're going to get more cash flow now. You know, that 5% coupon is going to provide more income, which is, which is important to people in retirement and, and in other uh, scenarios. Um, but you're going to receive that coupon now, which is valuable if and when interest rates were to rise. Um, that it can be a very uh, helpful benefit there. But the prices also tend to, if, histor- if history is any guide, the 5% coupons, when compared to lower coupon bonds, like 2 or 3% coupon bonds, tend to do better if interest rates rise um, in comparison. So from, from a defense standpoint or right. wanting so when to- you say do better, you mean a better rate of return if you wanted to sell the bond in the future. If you're holding the bond to maturity, does it really make a difference? That's a great, that's a great point. So exactly right. The 5% is going to have less price depreciation in comparison. And again, that's if history is a guide, uh, the 5% coupons will, will depreciate less than a 3%. I'm sorry. Yeah. Depreciate less than a 3% or a 2% coupon, but you bring up a really good point. A lot of people say, you know, if I buy, if I buy a bond, who cares? The, the price is going to change, but I'm going to hold it to maturity and get all my money back. 
problem is, I'll give you an example. If, if we both bought a bond, bond today, Larry, and both of us bought bonds, <clears throat> excuse me, at, uh, at a 4% yield, and we both paid par for the bond, if we woke up a year from today and your bond was priced at 102 and mine was priced at 98, you know, that tells us something about the features in that bond. And one bond is actually more valuable than the other. And so when I when uh, when we look at these things, we say, well, if it does, if price doesn't matter, then why don't we swap? Why don't you give me your bond at 102 and I'll give you my bond at 98? And every time I present that scenario, people say, well, no, that's crazy. I would never do that. Well, it's because there's something in the, each of those bonds that's valuable. And one bond is going to have a different experience than the other. Right. But again, in theory, if you hold those bonds to maturity, you'll get back your principal. Um, it's just if you wanted to sell before that they mature, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So if, if you do hold the maturity, you know, of course, barring any credit event, you will get your principal back. Right. So let's move on a little bit from now, from the basics, and let's kind of talk about what's going on in the world out there with, that, with, with interest rates. So a lot of buzz out there right now is due to this inverted yield curve. So can we try to explain in layman's turn to our listeners out there what an inverted yield curve is? Yeah, it's, it's funny. As bond guys, we don't really catch the headlines as much, but you're exactly right. Inverted yield curve has been one of those buzzwords that's that's definitely uh, talked about uh, thoroughly. The simple definition is, you know, if you if you think of a typical yield curve, it's typically upward sloping. And what I mean by that is, if I buy a two-year bond compared to a thirty-year bond, I would expect to get more yield to buy the longer bond because of factors like expected inflation in the future or expected risk with longer bonds. The difficulty is right now we have an inverted yield curve, which just means simply. The longer bonds, the longer maturity bonds are yielding less than the short maturity bonds. Okay. So, so therefore, you can actually make more money by investing in a short-term bond than you in a long-term bond. So why would anyone even buy long-term bonds? Well, it depends, it depends on where you think interest rates are headed or how you want to position the portfolio. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, if you buy short bonds, you're going to you're going to in most cases, you're going to receive more yield or more income. The problem is you won't hold the, the bonds very long and then you'll be subject to the reinvestment risk that we spoke about before. A lot of institutions don't have that luxury. You know, if you think of insurance companies or banks, they typically have to buy longer bonds. And so they they're subject to what the market gives them. So what should you know be some of the strategies today in you know when you, in buying bonds you know in, in either in today's interest rate environment world or even you know just typically when you know you want to get involved in bonds and own bonds and get the income from bonds um, let's talk about some of the different strategies yeah yeah so when people talk about bonds uh, what typically comes up is I want to buy a bond ladder <clears throat> and that's not a that's not a bad way to go. Uh, typically, a ladder, by definition, is you're buying each maturity in sequence. So, for instance, if I said I wanted to buy a 10-year ladder, I'm going to buy 10% of the one-year maturity, 10% of the two-year maturity, all the way out to 10 years. And then when the one-year bond matures in a year, I'm going to go ahead and buy a new 10-year bond. 
when we in in contrast to that when we compare uh ladders to strategies the strategy is actually trying to accomplish something so what i mean by that is you know we're trying to capture some yield uh or, or capture as much yield as we can given the current state of affairs um or provide some kind of defense if the investor is concerned about interest rates rising and so as as we run our our models and we look at different things one strategy you can pursue right now is more what's called a barbell strategy and that's just simply buying some shorter bonds and some longer bonds and avoiding the middle part of the curve uh, when i say the middle part of the curve i'm talking about you know 3 to 6 year maturities um, we mentioned inverted yield curves previously right now <clears throat> i'm looking at my bloomberg screen and the 6 month treasury is 1.91 the 1 year treasury is 1.87 and the three-year treasury is 1.68. So you can see there's really a dip in the three-year maturity when we, when we talk about treasuries. As you're building ladders, you probably don't want to buy less yield as you're going out further on the uh, maturity spectrum. So the idea we're kind of hedging a little bit by buying some short-term and some long-term rather than a complete ladder. Absolutely. The, the short-term bonds will provide some of that liquidity that you really want. And then the longer bonds will give you some yield in case we're wrong and in, in case yields do go to zero, like some have talked about. Hmm. So um, let, let, let's just talk a little bit about, you know, another buzzword that I hear and, you know, that's, you know, that's duration. What, 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 do you, what do you mean by duration and what can that tell us when you're putting together a bond portfolio? Yeah, duration is one of those, uh, those tricky terms. It's, it's typically used to measure the risk of a bond. Um, but I think of it a lot like I do with yield and, and, what I mean by this is it's it's really a static measure. Duration will tell me what uh, if I'm a trader or if I'm someone who is going to only own bonds for a couple hours or maybe even a couple days. Duration might be a decent metric to use as far as a measure of risk. But as interest rates change, the duration on bonds or even portfolios can shift pretty dramatically if there's call features. We talked about callability previously. And once callability comes into play, I've seen bonds where the duration shifts from just a little bit less than one year to almost eight years, and it has a 10-year maturity. So what we tend to look at, more importantly, is we'll look at the change in price. If we go back to the total return equation. You know, We talked about coupon is kind of our reward. The change in price is really our risk metric. So looking at the bond at the day we buy it, what the purchase price is, and then what the potential price is a year from now, three years from now as the ending price. But duration is a good a good metric to use as a starting point uh, to try to measure the risk in a in a portfolio, right? And then, and based upon the duration, you can kind of gear what would happen to the portfolio if interest rates either fall or rise. Correct? Absolutely. And and shorter durations are going to have less of a tendency to move with interest rate movements, so they'll be less sensitive. Whereas a longer duration portfolio tends to have more interest rate risk, meaning it's going to respond in a greater capacity to, uh, to interest rate movements. Right. So in layman's terms, our listeners out there, longer durations will provide you with higher rates of return on, on bonds, but will be more sensitive to possible losses or gains based upon interest rates moving, where shorter term duration, less sensitivity to risk, but obviously less returns. Is that correct? That's Did I say exactly that right? right. Yep. Uh, great. So 
then let's talk a little bit more about interest rates and, you know, and let's talk about, you know, what do you kind of see in the future? I mean, we're not predicting interest rates, but will interest rates, what happens if we have a rising interest rate in, environment or even a, or possibly even a negative interest rate environment? Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. There's a lot of people that like to forecast. Um, I'm sure, Larry, you, have a, you, you experience it all the time when people want to know what your crystal ball says. Um, there was actually a, a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, and it showed a graphic of all the economists and where they thought 10-year treasuries were going to be uh, you know, six months from now, 12 months from now. And what was interesting is none of them had forecasted in 2019 that the 10-year treasury would be below 2%. And as I look at my screen right now, we're currently at a 1.78. And I, even just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we actually touched uh, around the 140 range. So, you know, no offense to these professional economists. These are some of the brightest people in the country. They have degrees from the brightest, you know, the, the top universities, uh, all kinds of staff and, and all the data that you would ever want or need if you were to do this type of activity. And so I'm not uh, disrespecting them. It's, it's more a comment on the fact that it's very, very difficult, if not, I would argue, impossible to predict the future of interest rates. And so, you know, as bond specialists, the question becomes, well, if you can't predict interest rates, then how do you manage portfolios? And so we spend a lot of time at Northern Capital, instead of looking at future uh, forecasts or what could happen, we actually run a bunch of scenarios. And what I mean by that is, We'll look at one, two, and three-year timeframes and stress the bond or the portfolio for a, for a variety of potential scenarios that could play out, both interest rates rising and falling, and even the possibility of rates not changing at all. And so once we get to lay all those things against each other, we can make really good decisions. We believe that we can make really good decisions about, you know, should we buy this bond or that bond or these combinations of bonds or this other combination? And so we just feel like that's a much more helpful exercise. If someone really pressed me a year ago and said, well, where are interest rates going? I would have never guessed we'd be 150 basis points lower at one yeah. point. You always get in trouble trying to predict the stock market or interest rates in the short period of time. So, uh, hey, Jason, this has been great. I mean, it's great for our listeners to learn some of the basics and hopefully they learn some ideas on the strategies and the different portfolios that we can create for them. Um, so I appreciate all the, all the time that you put in today and some of the answers. And for our audience out there, if anyone has any more questions about bonds or investments, they can feel free to call my office and we can, uh, we can talk further. So thank you again, Jason. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. Guys, this was great. I, I learned a lot, but it also made me come up with a lot of questions. So I'm sure there's people out there that are in the exact same position I am. So, Larry, I hope you're ready for that phone to ring. Uh, what number should they get a hold of you at? Well, they can call the office at 631-293-2806, or they can go on our website at uh, hellowealthmanagement.com. Fantastic. Jason, thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for the time. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.